Now, how many of you this morning would be honest and say, I can relate to that? Yeah, right? Been your prayer before? God, I don't understand. I pray it doesn't happen and nothing seems to turn out. In fact, I pray and it gets worse. So we have a lot of questions about prayer, and so we are spending a lot of time uh, on this subject of prayer. And the title of this series is The Power of a Praying Church. So in the very first message, we talked about what is prayer, because there's a lot of confusion about what is prayer, how do you define prayer, can prayer really be defined, uh, or is it something bigger than that? And so we tried to put some handles on exactly what prayer is. Now, last week, we talked about the necessity of prayer. Is prayer something that God has just uh, given us to do to keep us occupied, uh, but we're occupied and frustrated, or is there really meaning and purpose behind praying? What results uh, happen when I pray? So is, is, we, we, we are looking at um, Jesus' example to us. The only time the disciples asked him to teach them something was if, with regards to prayer. So we're looking at the model prayer that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. This is the foundation or the pattern of which we establish prayer. And so last week we talked about the necessity of prayer. And the bottom line of that whole message is this, is that, is that God has forever linked his activity in heaven and his activity here on earth through the prayers of his people. That prayer is not just something to fill our time, that prayer is really necessary because when God wants to release resources from heaven to earth... He always finds someone who's going to stand in the gap and, and who's going to pray. And we looked at the example out of James of Elijah, the prophet of God, who prayed and God shut the heavens for three days, for three years, and then he prayed again and God opened the heavens and allowed it to rain uh, after three years. Well, why couldn't God just done that without Elijah? I mean, it was his idea, it was his timing, it was his will. So he needed somebody to stand in the gap. And you find that pattern all throughout Scripture. So prayer really is necessary. The problem comes is that we, we often attach a lot of things to prayer that God never really promised. And we put expectations on God that he never really made. And so we're going to sift through all of that as we work our way through the Lord's Prayer. And so the pattern is this, is that Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so there is, we said that there are four handles in prayer, one is relationship. Jesus says, let's, let's acknowledge this relationship and who we have this relationship with. And so God has revealed himself in many, many different ways, one of which is Abba, Father, Daddy, uh, which was very unusual uh, in, until Jesus showed up on the scene. But all throughout the Bible and on our walls, we have some of the Hebrew names of God that display who God is. And we'll talk about those next week on leveraging God's names as we release the power of God upon um, the object of God's concern. And so then he goes from there to, well, let's, let's do some releasing. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every time you pray, you are releasing the will and the power of God. What God has bound in heaven is bound on earth. What God's loosened in heaven is... So Jesus talked about giving us the keys of the kingdom to bind and loosen... And so we are literally releasing the resources of God, the power, the presence of God, the will of God upon earth as we are praying. And then we have, um, uh, he, he talks about, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And he's talking about all of these resources that we need. And so uh, we are reliant upon God for our provisions. We are reliant upon God for our pardon. We're reliant upon God for our protection. And so we'll talk each week about those things. And then the last one is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which speaks of realignment. In other words, now... As I've prayed and I've, I've worked in this relationship and I'm listening to God and I'm receiving downloads from the Holy Spirit, I'm praying to God about these areas of my life, now I'm beginning to realign my life with the will of God. As, and so what did, what did John say in 1 John chapter 5? If you pray in the will of God, he's going to hear you. He's going to answer. So that's always a big question that I get is, well, how in the world do I know if I'm praying in God's will? And we're going to unpack that as we move through this prayer uh, together. So um, prayer, uh, prayer is a conduit by which God power, God's power comes into your life, the conduit by which God's power comes into your family, by which it comes into our church. And so we're calling this the power of a praying church. So as we look at this very first phrase that Jesus gave to us, when we pray, we're praying to our Father who is in heaven. Now, I ask our staff in our staff meeting this week, what is it that breaks your heart about the world? There are a lot of things that break my heart about the world. Uh, sex trafficking breaks my heart. Abuse among children breaks my heart. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse breaks my heart. There are a lot of things that breaks my heart, but one of the things that breaks my heart is the fact that many Christians have a difficult time connecting with their Heavenly Father because we unconsciously we project upon God the same relational issues we had with our earthly father, with our heavenly father. And so many of God's people view God very differently than how God has displayed himself and certainly how Jesus displayed him. And so, our, again, our father is breaking all of the rules. For thousands of years that the Old Testament covers, God is referred to as father as seven times. But one of the reasons Jesus came, certainly to be our Savior and to, and to die in our place so that we might have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, but he also came to reveal the Father. Remember, Jesus said, He who has seen me, you have seen the Father, for I and the Father are one. 150 times, Jesus refers to God as Father using the Aramaic term, Abba, Daddy, Papa, um, a, a term of endearment, a term of closeness, a term of intimacy. And so he is exploding all the stereotypes about God. God is not an angry tyrant. God is not an angry judge sitting on a throne somewhere just waiting to spoil your fun in your life. God is not a cosmic cop. He's not a universal killjoy. He's not an impersonal force. That's why Jesus did not teach us to end our prayers with now may the force be with me. No, God is a person. He is not a force. God is a person, and when you relate to somebody person to person, it is a relationship that has the potential for great intimacy within that relationship. And so the Bible says we were created in the image of God that makes you different from the animals. And so God is personal. He has the ability to have relationship with us and we to have relationship with him. I can't relate. I don't know about you. I can't relate with a force. How do you relate with a force? No, God has called us to relate with him. Now, the pushback I get is, well, that's fine and well, Greg, but uh, God is like out there. I'm down here. I can't see him. 
Uh, well, this is where the Bible says we relate to him through the eyes of faith. And we'll kind of unpack that in future messages. But here's the problem, is that for many people, the word father is a very negative term. Just that word father brings up a lot of negative things, bad memories, bad hurts, difficulties, problems, experiences, deep father wounds that you experienced between yourself and your earthly father. And a lot of people say, well, you know what? If God the Father is anything like my dad, I don't want anything to do with him. All right? I don't want anything to do with him. And so we bring those issues. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, growing up, you might have heard the words, uh, you were in trouble. Not that you angels wouldn't have done anything wrong growing up. I understand. But let's just suppose. Let's suppose you did something wrong. Your mom says, uh-huh, yeah, wait till your father gets home. All right? Remember those? So you're anxiously awaiting his arrival because you know you're in trouble and, and that's going to result in something. So the truth is human fathers, human fathers have the capability of literally making a home hell on earth. They have that capability. I'm not saying your father did. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but they have the capability. Human fathers can be fickle and moody, abusive, domineering, controlling, angry, demanding, selfish, self-centered, violent, aloof, you name it. And so the biggest problem with God is not our problem with God. Our biggest problem with God is our problem with our human fathers. And so again, we don't necessarily do this consciously, but subconsciously we attribute the attributes of our earthly fathers upon our heavenly father, and it can create a great deal of um, just like pain and painful memories and maybe all that things flood back up, you know, surface back up, and you're just like, your emotions are all over the map. And um, so unconsciously, you've placed your attitudes about your authority of God over you. And the reason why we, people never connect, many people never connect, is because they transfer those emotions to God. And I'm going to give you some examples. Um, one, for example, if your, your father maybe was an unreasonable father, and what I mean by unreasonable is, it's like no matter what it is you did, it just was like not good enough. It just wasn't, you know, it's all about rules, all about keeping the rules, and uh, rules ruled your home. And, and, and if you varied from the rules, you know, there was immediate punishment of some sort. And so sometimes we project that upon God, that, that God is just, un, that God's demands are unreasonable, they're unattainable. You think that why even try? I'm just going to give up. Uh, you think that, you know, if you break the rule, that all of a sudden God's just like, man, he's just like waiting just to zap you and to make your life difficult and make something horrible happen in your life. It's amazing how many people try to have a relationship with God the Father through what I call religion rather than relationship because religion's all about the rules. Relationship's all about that. It's about the relationship. Here, here's a known fact. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God has forgiven you of your sin, past, present, and future, that he has enveloped you into the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that every time your heavenly Father looks down upon you, he sees only the righteousness of Christ, which means there is no sin that you can commit that is punishable by God. Jesus took your punishment. I didn't say there wasn't consequences to your actions. 
So God's not this angry judge up there waiting to punish you because you haven't met his unreasonable uh, expectations. No, God doesn't give us rules. What he does do uh, is give us guardrails, right? So when you drive, guardrails are all about you keeping you safe, keeping you from experiencing what's on the other side of those guardrails. That's that's what he gives to us. That's what a loving father would do. That's what a loving earthly father does is to help protect his children. Even in the Garden of Eden, the one tree that was forbidden, the reason why God put fences around that tree is because God always puts fences around those things that have the potential of hurting us. And so that's why God does guardrails. Not because he wants to be unreasonable or he just wants you to mess up so that he can like, you know, trip you up. No, that's not your father at all. But if you had an unreasonable father, you may see God that way, or maybe you had an unreliable father. You have a hard time trusting God because your father just wasn't reliable, made a lot of promises he didn't keep. So he's unreliable. And uh, so a predisposition of that is you probably worry a lot. Um, God made a promise, you know, your father made a promise, didn't keep it. God makes promises. He's not going to keep them. Therefore, I don't know if I really trust God. Therefore, I worry about whether or not God is going to come through as I'm trying to trust him. Maybe you grew up with an unconcerned father. He was there, but he was distant, right? Uh, or maybe he wasn't there, but he... anyways, uh, for me, you know, you know my story. My dad left and, uh, my mother raised five kids on her own when I was quite young. And so, you know, I, I kind of saw God that way. I, he was distant, and God's out there, and I'm down here, and, and when I really need God, he's not going to be there for me, and so those, those were my worries. Those were my concerns about that, and, uh, you know, I don't want to bother him because, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Some of you lived in the, with a father like that. He, he was just too busy for you, and as a child, if you interrupted him, you know, sometimes he erupted in, violent, in anger or violence. I don't know. I mean, I had a next door neighbor who had uh, three boys, and he was very much that way. You never knew what you were getting. I mean, one day he was just happy go lucky. He was the nicest man around, but then all of a sudden something triggered him, and he would just explode over those kids and start beating on them. And, and so it was like, you know, you're walking on eggshells. Maybe that's the experience you've had. There's an unpleasable father, right? No matter what you did, it was never good enough. And so you, you tried to measure up, and you tried to live up to the expectations, but no matter how much you accomplished, it was never good enough, it was never, you know, whatever, whatever they, the, the bar just kept getting raised on you, and some of you see God that way, that no matter how much good you do, God just keeps raising the bar on you, and therefore, you, you probably uh, carry around a lot of unnecessary guilt and shame and regrets. Now, some of you may have had a dad who was a pushover right? You just knew if you cried enough and talked enough, he'd give you whatever you wanted. Now, I wasn't that kind of father with my kids, but not grandkids. Now, that's a little different story. Why am I going into this? Because in America right now, in America, 25% of all children raised in, um, growing up in, in, in Caucasian homes are, are fatherless. Hispanic kids, it's 50%. African-American kids, it's up towards the 75%. You think that, there are, that most people are carrying around father issues? I'll guarantee you they are. I run into it all the time. In fact, in one study that was done by Dr. Paul Vitz, a professor in psychology of New York University, wrote a book called The Faith of the Fatherless in which he 
He looked and tracked the, the lives of famous um, atheists like Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, Bertrand Russell, uh, Huxley, Hume, Voltaire, and he wanted to see what was the common thread. Was there a common thread among all of them? And there was a common thread. They all hated their fathers. They had a great dislike with, against their fathers, and they, they felt like their fathers were distant and demanding and, and just never measured up and so on and so forth. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about God as Father. And what Jesus says, I've come to give you the truth that will overshadow the misconceptions because I want you to understand the kind of Father that you are praying to. Listen, if I don't trust somebody, I have a real difficult time building relationship. I have a real tough time building intimacy. And if if these things are happening subconsciously in my mind with regards to God my Father then it's going to create all kinds of havoc in this relationship I'm trying to have. And it, it really affects the way that we pray. And so um, here's really my bottom line is this. You will never find peace in life unless, until you learn how to connect with your Heavenly Father. You will live always regretting your past, worrying and fearful of your future and never having this settled peace of the Holy Spirit in you because you've not made that connection. God has simply hardwired every single human being with this need to have connection with their creator. That's why Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. The same thing is displayed in the physical realm among human beings. There is a distinct, desperate need in the heart of every human being to have a connected relationship with your earthly father. Now, whether you had that relationship or not, I do not know. But I can assure you that if some of these titles that I've given you explain your relationship with your heavenly father, you're going to have difficulty in connecting with your heavenly father until we, may, we kind of settle this issue. So I want to give you truth about your heavenly father that hopefully will bridge that gap so that you can begin building the kind of relationship that he really wants. So that when you come praying to him and you're seeking him, it's not just, oh, here's my laundry list, take care of it, God, but you really want to build relationship, right? You really want to have some connection with this this God who has created you. And so Here are four things I want you to know about God. Number one is that God is a caring father. He is a caring father. And the reason I know that is because God is so loving. Listen, God created out of love, not because he had a need for human beings, because he was bored. He created out of love because God is love and he has always been love. Now, here's the difficult part. We have a hard time comprehending what that love looks like and what it is. Because you know as well as I do, human love is real fickle. And, uh, you know, I'll love you as long as, and then we fill in the blanks. And so our, our love among human beings is very conditional at best. God's love is unconditional. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter, man, I, I just pray that you understand the height and the width and the depth of the love that the Father has for you. Because it's hard for us to comprehend that. But God is love. That's everything he created in the universe He created to love it, and he made you to love you. So here's what Psalm 103 says. As the Father has compassion, not just love, but compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those those who fear him or those who honor him. 
And so one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you know, is when the disciples were with Jesus. Uh, they're in a boat, as Jesus often had them crossing over the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee was very much known for storms that would erupt quite quickly and quite violently, uh, same thing that can happen on Lake Erie if you've ever been on that lake. And so the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is up the front. He's sound asleep, and a storm comes up, and, and like the disciples are just like wigging out. Now, these are, many of them are trained fishermen. They don't become fearful because a storm came up. They were used to that, but this must have been a very violent storm, and water's coming into the boat, and it was violent enough they, they did not think they were going to make it. And here's Jesus sleeping, and all of a sudden they come over and they ask him a question, and really it's a question that we've all asked God in a thousand different ways. Uh, Before I give you the question, I just want to say this as a side note. If Jesus is in your boat, it's not going to sink. If Jesus is in your marriage, it can make it. If Jesus is in your job, he'll take care of it. If Jesus is in your life, you don't have to worry. And so here's, here's the question the disciples asked the Lord. They said, Lord, 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 don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? Have you ever asked that of God? Don't, don't you care? God, in the video, I'm praying and praying and praying about this situation in my job. I'm losing finances. Lord, don't you care that I am about to, you know, to head into financial ruin? Don't you care I haven't gotten a job yet? Don't you care about my... My, my, my marriage, don't you care about the mess that I'm in? Don't you care that I'm struggling in school? Don't you care that I'm struggling with my kids? And we've asked that question to the Lord many, many times in many different ways. And the fact of the matter is, God does care. So much so that through Peter, Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety upon him, Because he cares for you. God really does care about you. Now that word cast, when we read that word, we think about, you know, you're a fisherman, you're you're casting your line out, or you're casting rocks across the water, the pond, you're trying to skip them. That's not the word that, that is defined here as the word cast. The word cast that Peter used is literally just means to drop something. Now, if you were trying to, like, pick up a big boulder, and let's say you got it three inches off, off the ground, but you can't even walk with it, it's, it's just so heavy and so cumbersome, and, but if you just drop, how much energy does it take to drop that boulder? None? Gravity takes over, right? You just release it. You release it, it drops. This is what Peter is saying. Listen, when you have problems, when you have situations, you have a heavenly father who cares about you, and he, all he says is, listen, come into my presence, and I want you to carry that boulder in there and drop it, release it, stop playing God, stop worrying all the time. This is not your worry. This is, not your, this is my concern. I'm as concerned about this as you are. Now cast all your cares. Notice he said all. He didn't say some of them. He didn't say part of them. He said, all, all your cares. You have to learn how to relax. You're never going to learn how much God cares about you until you learn how to relax. Does God care about your house payment? Does he care about your dating life? Does he care about all the minute things in, in your life? You bet he does. Jesus talked about us praying about our provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. 
you know, it's, it's, bread is very, you know, a very mundane, stationary, you know, substance that we eat. God cares about those. He, he says, cast all your anxiety. Anything that's worth worrying about is worth giving to God. And that's why Jesus came along and says, listen, Matthew 6, don't worry about saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Your heavenly father, your caring father, he knows you have need of all those things. How many of you, we as fathers, right? We care about the fact that our kids have food on the table, clothes on their back, they have, that we provide for them. That, that is like ingrained in us. I care about my children and what, they, what I can provide for them. And I, I care about my grandchildren and what I can provide for them. If we as earthly, imperfect, sinful fathers care that much about our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, don't you think God cares about you? He does. He really does. And the point is this. Whenever we get, begin to doubt the love of God, there is a warning light. And the warning light is worry. The reason you worry, because in your mind, you're really not sure God cares enough about what it is you're worried about and whether or not he's going to provide. And some of you really struggle with worry. I had got somebody tell me one time, well, Greg, I, I worry so much, I guess I just don't love God. No, it's not about you not loving God. You just don't understand how much God loves you. There's a big difference. If you knew and felt how much your Heavenly Father cares compassionately and constantly about you, you would begin casting the anxieties. Number two is that God is a consistent Father. He's consistent. Everything around us is changing. He's consistent, which means he doesn't let, he won't, he's not going to let you down. He's not, he can be counted on. He's dependable. He's reliable. See, I never thought that about God. I thought just the opposite. God couldn't, you know, God's inconsistent. He's not reliable. He can't be counted on. And so, therefore, he was not what? Worthy of my trust. So I had trust issues. Why did I have trust issues? Because my dad left, right? I had trust issues. I thought like God's going to bail on me when I need him. Here's what James 1.17 says. The, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father who does not change like shifting shadows. You want to circle it. Does not change. He's unchanging. He's consistent. Human fathers are, you know, often unpredictable. I get that. Um, I've got, you know, I've talked to many teenagers who have said, you know, I never know what I was going to get when I came home, uh, what, my, what mood my dad's going to be in, or could I approach him, or did I need to let him have some downtime before I could come to him, and, and so there's a lot of inconsistency there, and uh, I didn't know if he's going to be silent or violent, you know, hug me or slug me, or whatever it might happen, but, but in, listen, inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. Now, I'm not saying that every father is perfect and every father gets it right all the time. That's not even the issue. But if that's the pattern of your life as a father, you're inconsistent, your children never know what they're going to get, I'm telling you, they're going to grow up very insecure. And, and then they will unconsciously, they will subject God, their heavenly father, with those same attributes, and they will have a very difficult time being secure in his presence. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I love that. God's not moody. Doesn't have a bad day. God never gets up and says, Man, I really had a tough night last night. 
Better watch, how you, better watch your step today. The world's changing. Everything is changing around us. And what that means is simply this. We need stability. We need something that we can anchor into that is unchanging. You try to anchor into a relationship, relationships change. You try to anchor into a job, jobs change. You try to anchor into a house, houses get sold. No economy lasts. No nation lasts. Everything on this planet is temporary. There's only one thing on this planet you can count on to never change, and that is God, right? He does not change. He's not like a shifting shadow. He is consistent in his caring and his love for you, and you can anchor into that. He's the only thing that doesn't change. And so the Bible says this, God will never go back on his promises. I love that. You know, the greatest cause of resentment and rebellion in children are broken promises. You know, my parents made promises. They didn't keep them, you know. And so over time, if you continually break those promises, this is one of the things you got to watch with small children because you can say something and they take it as a promise, though you didn't mean it as a promise, right? Well, we might go to the zoo tomorrow. For them, in their little minds, we're going to the zoo tomorrow. Dad promised. He said we're going. And then when it doesn't happen tomorrow, you broke your promise. You really have to watch what you say and how you say things to small children. But over time, if, if that's the consistent pattern in my life with my children, then they, they grow up and they become very insecure and, and can become very rebellious. Watch this. Relationship. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. So if I'm just like the rule guy with my kids, and I'm making promises, and I break those promises, and, and you know, I'm making more, and I break those, and it's just all about the rules, but there's, what, what happened is over time is now there's not much relationship between me and my children, so when I'm just coming at them all the time with the rules and no relationship, it will ultimately lead to rebellion in their life. It's just the way we're wired. But God loves, his love has given us grace. He's given us forgiveness and how to handle the fact that, you know, you had an inconsistent parent, maybe you had deep struggles with growing up, is that you recognize the consistency and the faithfulness of the father who wants to have a relationship with you. Number three, God is a close father. God is a close father. Oh, by the way, let me just hit this side note. Be careful about projecting upon God promises that he never made. For example, God never promised that this world would be an easy life, that you would have no pain and no problems and no troubles. God never promised that your loved ones would live forever. God never made those kinds of promises, but we project those promises upon him oftentimes. And what happens when God doesn't fulfill the promise that we projected upon him? Well, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. I knew this. He's just like my dad. He's just like somebody else, maybe an authority figure in your life that let you down, and on and on it goes. God is, God is always consistent with what he has said. Now, he's a close father. He's not distant. He's not far away. And so the Bible says in um, Acts chapter 17, this is what Paul was speaking. He says, God did this and all the things that he'd done in history so that people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each of us. God is with you. He's not a million miles away. Remember, 
Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father is. He's just as much God as Jesus is. And so you literally carry God with you. God isn't out there. He's in here. Right? That's why when God created you in his image, he created you with a spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the inner core of you where the Holy Spirit lives and resides and breathes life into you. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your body is this external body. And so the Bible says that you are the container of the spirit of God himself. He is always with you. That's why Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If God were to do that, he'd have to vacate you. And so for a lot of us, though, we struggle with this because some of you grew up with an absentee father. Maybe he was always gone on business trips, or maybe he was there, but he wasn't there, right? He was, just, he was home, but he wasn't really there. He kind of checked out. Or like me, he actually physically left. Or maybe your father died when you were young, and that was a, you know, a, a part of what you grew up in. And so the truth of the matter is God is, God is close. And so we are living in a time in which families are spending less and less time with their children because of work and schedules and, and a lot of different things. And we're kind of in this era now where we, we, you know, we're running kids everywhere and everywhere. And so what happens is over time is like you, you, you start to try to earn somebody's love. And this is the way many people communicate with God, that you're always trying to earn God's love. Well, I came to church today. That's a check mark on my card for, with God. Man, God's going to love me now. Uh, you know, I, I read my Bible this week. I prayed this week. Check, check. Man, uh, I'm earning God's love now. I'm really earning his favor. And the reason I know that we do this is because, let's say if you have a bad week and you didn't pray, you didn't read your Bible, you, didn't, you, didn't, you just kind of messed up all the week, you really have no confidence when you pray, right? It's like, oh, God's not going to hear this. He's not going to listen to this. I've blown it all week long. God doesn't, you know, it, it, as opposed to, man, I got all my check marks, man. I'm going to pray now because I have confidence that God's really going to answer because I've checked off all the things. And if you really want God to love you, if you really want to earn points with God, you will watch the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday and cheer for them. You know it's true. It's God's team. Here's the most freeing word. Stop. Stop it. You do not earn God's love. God's love is unconditional. There's nothing I can do to cause him to love me more. There's nothing I can do to cause him to love me less. God doesn't base his relationship upon you, upon your fickleness and your ability to do certain things. God loves you. Now, it may be that, you know, God has your feet on the pathway. Remember, every path leads to a destination, and it might be that you get off the path. You get off the path, and God sees now you're heading to another destination that is potentially harmful. Remember, he puts fences around things that are harmful to us, and so he might see that happening, and then he's got to kind of draw you back over. He's not paying you back. He's simply trying to draw you back on the path that leads to the best destination for your life. Not, God's love has never changed. My love for my children has never changed. It doesn't matter if they do something I like or dislike. My love for them does not change. They are still my daughters. So here's three things about God. God is never too busy for you. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Every time you call, he's right there, he's near. It's not like God says, oh, you're back again. Uh -uh. 
uh, step in line. Uh, we've got uh, 3,584 people. You know, kind of going to the BMV and grabbing your ticket. We've got 3,000 people ahead of you. Just step in line here. Uh, no, God, you, God's always available. He's never too busy. He's always ready to engage with you. Number two, God loves to meet your needs. He loves to meet your needs. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. He does it lovingly. Matthew 7.11 says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? One of the greatest things that you can do this next year is to begin to enjoy the fact that God enjoys giving good gifts to you. He really does. You know, James said it this way, you have not, maybe just because you ask not. God is sympathetic, number three, to my hurts. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And maybe your heart's been broken here recently. I don't know. But God understands. He understands all about broken hearts. Jesus, you have a Savior who understands. Did Jesus ever get his heart broken? Absolutely. His own family thought he was so nuts at one time. They, they called for an intervention. They went ahead and put away. Uh, you know, Messiah? What are you talking about, Messiah? Man, you're crazy. Uh, so we need, to, we need to put you away somewhere. How many people um, started following him as long as he's doing miracles, as long as he's performing things, but then when all that shut down, all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't want anything more to do with you. And so now he was just being used by people in order to get what they want. I mean, there's a lot of things, that, abuses that Jesus took. He understands those, the same kinds of things that we experience in our lifetime. And, um, and so this is why this term, Abba, Daddy, I mean, it's, it's just like, Man, God says you call, you're to call on me, even when my kids are grown, all right? Now that they're grown, they have children of their own. Like when they were growing up, they called me dad. But when they wanted something, daddy, notice the, sh the subtle shift, dad, daddy, they even do that as adults. Daddy, do you, could you, my kids growing up and they needed money. Here's what, they, here's what they did not say to me. They didn't come into my presence and go, Oh, most ominent, prominent father of the Cooper clan, thou who dost so sovereignly and magnificently bestow our heavenly allowance upon us, we beseech thee, O great creator, for the bounty of cash that may enable us to abide in the house of the motion picture. Is that how they talk to you? Is that the way we're talked to God? No. Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need help. Daddy, I can't do this on my own. Daddy, I need you to provide for me. That's what he longs and loves to hear. And here's the last one. God is competent. He is competent. There's nothing too hard for him. Uh, listen to Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. Man, I, I, I love this. I mean, God, again, is interested in the small things, the big things. Can you, can, listen, somebody asked me, is it okay to bring God like, you know, small things and, and big things? You, you can drop off the biggest problem you've ever had at the feet of God, and God's like, is that all you got? That's small potatoes to him. 
This powerful creator who can create out of nothing, who can speak things into existence, you think that God's like breaking a sweat because, you know, you're behind on your house payment or God's breaking a sweat because, you know, there's downsizing going on in your company as though he couldn't provide you for another job or he may not, he may provide you in a miraculous way or other ways to help you with your house payment. I'm telling you, I've seen all that happen in my life and I've seen it happen in the lives of many other people. And so, you know, I just like, kind of like, I just kind of like to brag on God about the ways God has provided for me all through the years as I have faithfully trusted in his provisions. Man, it's like the kid that, you know, uh, I heard that was at school and he was kind of bragging on to another kid. He says, you know, my dad can beat up your dad. Kid says, so what? So can my mother. Nobody can beat up your heavenly father. It was amazing. When my kids were growing up, they thought that I was so competent that there was nothing I could not fix. So what do you think happened when my daughter brought into me her Barbie doll for which she had cut off all of its hair and the dog had chewed up its face and said, Daddy, can you fix this for me? You can fix anything. Yeah, you got to let them down, right? Uh, I'm sorry, honey. That, that one's gone. And so we have limited knowledge and energy and skills and resources God has none of those things. So let me just ask very pointedly in closing, what have, you, what have you been doubting that you could put in the hands of God that he could handle this in your life? I look at it this way. Yesterday's impossibilities are today's miracles. God loves a challenge. He really does. Because he's caring and he's consistent and he's close and he's competent, he wants us to call him Abba. He wants relationship. Now, is God everybody's father? No. He's everybody's creator, but he's not everyone's father. We become in relationship. We come into relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And so on the bottom part of your outline, it says God sent Jesus to make that connection, right? And so the Bible says that in 1 Timothy that God is on one side and all the people are on the other side and Jesus Christ himself, man, is in between them to bring them together. That's the connection. We're connecting to God by giving his life for all of mankind. So how do we, how do we bridge that gap between holy God and sinful man? It's Jesus Christ. How do we make that connection with Jesus Christ? The very last verse on here is you all sons and daughters of God through what? Through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. The moment you made that connection with Christ, your heavenly father connected with you in relationship and he desires more than anything else to have this close, personal, intimate relationship with him. I understand firsthand when you've had father issues that it becomes very difficult for you to make that connection to bridge that gap, and it may take some, you know, deep-seated, introspective time with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to sift that stuff out of you. Because again, it's not that we consciously think these things, but unconsciously, it's kind of on the, the grid of our minds, and everything has to filter through that grid system of our thinking processes. And so 
Satan plays on that, and he brings in the doubts and the fears and the worry and the anxiety, and he just wants to fill us up with that stuff and fill us up with that stuff and fill us up. Here's what the Bible says. They says that the Holy Spirit is the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. and kind. It's all of those things. So literally, because the Holy Spirit is in me, that means the peace of God is within me, and that the peace of God in me is greater than what's going on outside of me. I can bring the peace of God into that environment and literally change the environment around me. But if I allow the environment around me to become greater than what's going on inside of me, then I will succumb to the fear and the worry and the anxiety. That's never the way God wanted us to live. Out of this relationship with our Heavenly Father, we can change the environment around us. That's why Paul said, you don't have to be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to your Heavenly Daddy. And he'll make sure that the peace of Christ that surpasses all human understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind regardless of what the atmosphere is outside of you. Let's bow our heads together. I don't know where you are in relationship to Christ this morning, um, but I can assure you of this. Jesus, Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. God developed the plan by which he would pay for the sins of humanity. Jesus came and implemented that plan. And now the Holy Spirit is the one who is actively engaging with humanity here on earth. The Bible says that the Spirit of God draws you towards Christ and his payment on the cross to have relationship, to have your sins forgiven, to indwell you with his presence, to breathe life into you so that you no longer have to live out of a life of guilt and shame and fear and worry and all of those things that just keep dragging you down. That's one of the things, as I stated up front, that just absolutely breaks my heart. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the, of the devil. And that's exactly what he did. And you can walk in the freedom that he came to bring through relationship with him as your heavenly father engages with you forgiveness and freedom ah this is the reason why Jesus came into the world and why the Holy Spirit is actively engaging in the lives of humanity in the here and now is that what you have is that what you desire then the Bible says you come and you receive Christ by faith trusting everything you are all that you have, your entire eternal destiny, you trust in him and him alone and his payment on the cross by just praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that, yes, I have sinned. I've made a wreck of my life in, in times. And I, I'm just so full of shame and guilt and fear. And, Lord, I just don't want to live this way anymore. And I believe that you came into the world to die for me, for me that you were buried, that you were raised from the grave to have victory over sin and death. And I'm putting my trust in you to be Savior and Lord of my life. I give you control of my life. I want to follow you. I, I want to be a, a disciple of yours. I pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with your presence as I engage my heart in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, 
That's exactly what God promised he would do. Faith in Christ, spirit indwells, and God breathes life into you. So we thank you for that, Father. And I pray for every person here, God, who's just struggling in this area of their life, of connecting with you in, in real deep, authentic intimacy. Father, what, this, what the devil is stealing from them, I pray he will steal no longer. You said he said, come to steal, kill, and destroy. God, I, I pray that, Lord, that, that just would be broken off of somebody here today. That God, maybe for the very first time, they're going to, in their heart, just be able to say, just cry out to you, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And, and not have all this negative stuff flood in, into their heart, but just pure love, just Papa love flowing from heaven into their heart, just making connection, closeness, oneness, intimacy, something they've just never experienced. It's all been all about keeping the rules, keeping you at bay, appeasing you. Oh, Lord, may they sense, may they experience relationship today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May there be a releasing of the Holy Spirit now for those who are seeking Christ and salvation, for those who are seeking Him to walk in freedom and intimacy with their Heavenly Father. And we praise you, Father, for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.